The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Kevin Jordan or his guests. These gardening tips and suggestions may work for you, as well as those from alternative sources. When using any garden products or tools, read and follow all label directions. And learn how to save water while gardening at BeWaterSmart.info. The Green Acres Garden Podcast is the podcast dedicated to helping gardeners hone their growing skills while we celebrate our love of plants. So whether you're new to growing or a seasoned gardener, you're sure to learn something new. Join the fun as we have conversations with world-class growers, passionate green thumbs, and professional garden experts from Green Acres Nursery and Supply. Listen every week. We'll answer questions you didn't know you had. So, uh, welcome, everybody, to the show. This is the Green Acres Garden Podcast. My name is Kevin Jordan. I'm your happy host, a curious cultivator, back in studio with my audio man, Austin Blank. How's it going there, Austin? Hey, I'm doing great. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Kevin, it's been hot, huh? It has been hot. So uh, yeah. I've been in the garden, tending to things. Uh, if you're anyone else is like me, you've noticed I've had to up my watering quite a bit. Um, just a little bit deeper, a little bit longer. Um, as my plants have get, got more mature, I can I don't need to do them every single day in my garden, but that may be different for for our listeners. It's really going to depend on your own scenario. But for me, I definitely had to up my watering, yeah. and that has really uh, shown a good benefit. My plants, thankfully, aren't stressed. They look really good, but some of the fruit is definitely, it's like me on the beach Uh-oh. on a hot day. We're burnt. We're roasted. Oh, no. bud. So what peppers, happened? Not all of them. Just any okay. any spot on a pepper where there just isn't a shade leaf kind of covering it on that late hot what afternoon sun. What does it sun. look like when that happens? Um, almost like like where like uh, you have a nice beautiful green pepper swelling up, yeah. and then a little corner of it may actually start off with a little whiteness. It gets discolored, and it gets discolored, okay. and eventually it, it might actually start rotting if it gets bad oh, enough. Oh no, geez. So you can actually still harvest them, cut that off, and enjoy it the best you can. Not a big deal, but um. You're going to notice it. So for all of our listeners, anybody who's actually was bright enough or had the ability uh, to throw some shade cloth around their plants or over their plants, I mean, you're, you're feeling pretty good about yourself right now because a little bit of shade cloth in this heat really goes a long way, especially even tomatoes. I've noticed had a few had a bit, a bit of tomatoes that had some sun scold on them as well. That just happens. Uh, the heat was so extreme as now if, if the, uh, the temperatures kind of come down a little bit, we'll yeah. be okay. But I'm telling you, it really makes me think of maybe next year I got to figure out a spot in the school garden to really um, allow for us maybe some temporary shade structures. Some cl- oh, not, uh, not over the, fro- the tomatoes. Not the shade cloth, yes. but something different. Absolutely. Oh, uh, but- maybe I, like a structure where I can maybe throw up some poles or a tie to shade it. cloth to some extensions above the tomatoes. Uh, there's a lot of different things you can do. Remember, we went out Dave to- Fierro Dave Fierro Dave Fierro at Veneto yeah. Farms or Veneto Gardens. We, we, he, he's bright, bright grower. I'm sure he's probably dancing right he's now in his tomato okay. garden. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried about my tomatoes. I don't have many, but you know, I think the light's not too You intense. are so fortunate, Austin. You have a, a landscape in your, in your backyard that yeah. really gets some dappled light. You got some mature trees around you. If anybody has that benefit of having a nice upper canopy, that can really help mm-hmm. as well. Um, but for those of us who have a garden in full scorching sun, um, we're going to battle that sun scald a little bit. So you can bring your plants in a little tighter if necessary. But if you have the ability to throw shade cloth, it's definitely it's dang near worth its weight in gold on these hot, sunny days. But Austin, yes. let's get to the, today's episode because okay, we so, have a great one yes, this week. I'm excited. We uh, Who did we talk to, Kevin? You go ahead. Oh, please. Thank you. So last week, actually, I want to contrast. Last week, we're coming off an amazing episode. We had so much fun with Ruby Andrews out there at Granite Oaks in uh, Granite Bay, California. We saw this amazing, I mean, breathtaking ornamental landscape. Really, I mean, it's something for the book. I was so blown away by it. But this week, Austin, I think we have an, an equally incredible landscape. Yes. But it couldn't be more different. It is very different. You're very right. different. And so thankfully, this one, I think we're going to have a video with it as well so folks can see it in person. Sure. Um, 
as needed, but a beautiful garden. We're, we are, we're headed out to Neanderthal Farms to go meet up with our good buddy of the show, Justin Davis, the pickle king himself. Yes. Um, a really just awesome guy, super welcoming for us, very knowledgeable, and just has a great attitude when it comes to growing and cultivating. And like I said, a bit of knowledge to share. So we're going to learn a bit, uh, a lot of information this week, and just a little hint of uh, inspiration for us to go to move forward. So a plenty to look forward to oh, yeah. in today's episode. Um, and I think I said, equally incredible. Last week, we had this amazing ornamental landscape. Now we have this beautiful edible landscape. It's actually a micro farm that Justin has developed. So uh, it's pretty cool. We're going to dive in with him and learn quite a bit. So I cannot wait to share it. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to just dive into the interview. We, I really got a sense that we got to know Justin, the person, the human being, and what a nice and um, hardworking and just friendly, family-oriented guy. He's just a good guy inside and out. Oh, you and know it. He was so welcoming to us and uh, he's even had some exciting things go on at his farm recently. He had a TV show shoot there and they're doing good things and people are recognizing that. So I'm so excited to share that with our listeners and I'll put some episode, um, I'll put some stuff in the episode description uh, to link to check out what Justin's been up to. Uh, but before that, you know, let's just go ahead and dive into our interview. He's got a lot, like you said, uh, information and inspiration. So here we go with Justin Davis at Neander. Neanderthal Farms. Actually, when I was when I was younger, that was our me and my two friends' uh, skateboard team. We called our skate team. We were the Neanderthals. Yeah, dude. And uh, that I I just liked Neanderthal for some reason. And then later one day I was sitting here and I, I was gonna call it Wenzel's Farm because that's the Wenzel's Pickles is my my grandma's maiden name and that's where all of the you know pickle stuff came from. And the beginning I was doing just pickles. And then um, I was like, wait. I'm hairy. I'm kind of a Neanderthal. I'm like, ah, <laughs> Neanderthal Farms, man. We're going to keep it that way. Yeah. Hey, Justin, how's it going? Good, man. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing really good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what we grow here? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so we kind of mix a little bit of everything with the regenerative uh, agriculture, you know, definitely no-till. Um, try to really work that in the biggest thing here so building soil is our number one so uh, the front yard is kind of uh, our little microclimate we have a lot of fruit a lot of blackberries a lot of uh, grapes uh, kiwi growing uh, fajoya pineapple guava peaches um, just to name a few the list goes on so the front yard's kind of like the organic uh, permaculture side and then we work sort of in the back and we go more into the kind of uh, small-scale agriculture but still no-till um, heavy on the straw mulch uh, Bark, bark in the walkways, really trying to keep everything active and alive, the soil happy. So you've created Neanderthal Farms. You are the lead Neanderthal. How long has this been going and, and where do you think it'll take you? So started here about, uh, like I said, eight years ago. Um, mainly started out just growing uh, pickling cucumbers and I only had about one eighth of the land that you were seeing back there. Uh, and um, we kept getting a little bit more and more land which expanded of more and more crops to grow. And then uh, learning that I could sell either in front of my house or to local restaurants, slowly eked into that way and found uh, Brad from Wild Boars at Farms, which was a godsend gift to come around and started growing for seed, which quadrupled my tomato growth and really enabled me to learn and expand on the farm and what to do and what not to do. I love it, yeah. And so not only do you grow some really beautiful tomato plants, but you really grow some interesting tomato plants. You brought up Brad Gates of Wild Boar Farm, uh -huh. a friend of the podcast. We yeah. love uh, Brad. Um, he's, he's awesome. And so 
What are you growing this year that really has caught your eye that you're excited about? So there's definitely a couple crosses of the Brad's Atomic Grape that are kind of secret. We can't, we can't I've heard, talk too I've heard much about those them. Are but, phenomenal. Uh, yeah. they're, the coloring and shape on those are really, really outstanding this year. And uh, there's definitely a couple new ones like the Tim's Taste of Paradise, which is supposedly better than a Sun Gold. So we have those growing. Better than a Sun Gold. Better those, than a Sun ooh, Gold. Oh man, the, the gauntlet has been thrown down. <laughs> so uh, we got those growing, which I'm eager to try. Uh, didn't get to last year. There was only so many he had going since it's a new one. Um, but those two are probably the most, uh, the ones I'm looking forward to this year. And then of course the Berry's Crazy is just out of this world this year. Uh, the clusters are in the couple hundreds to five. Yeah, those one look unreal. Looks like, yeah. <laughs> so we have the grape clusters I just mentioned, but they, they look kind of similar. We have yeah. these massive clusters on one single truss or branch. Mm -hmm. full, I mean, it's dozens, hundreds. It's incredible to see. It's hard to count, but it's uh, definitely, uh, as Brad would say, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. So you're growing for some seed. You're also growing for some harvest as well. So mm -hmm. tell us a little about your business. You sell to some local you know, restaurants and cafes, I think a lot of home gardeners, I think, I think might get excited by that. It's kind of has like a romantic appeal to it. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, selling to restaurants is a, uh, uh, something delving into as a small time farmer, definitely look into it because it's, it's fun, but it can be, uh, definitely for one person on a bigger type of land, it could be a lot because, um, not trying to down talk it for anybody, not wanting to do it, but definitely, uh, going and getting the restaurants is probably the the thing that expanded my growth on it more than the seed because keeping up with the demand is the fun thing about it. Can I make this week's harvest? Cause you know, you have a chef waiting for those tomatoes, which makes it, I think even more fun because it's a challenge. And I think farming always needs a challenge and selling to restaurants is a big leap for somebody if you're just growing at home, but yeah. don't be afraid to do it, please. It's something that I never thought I'd be able to keep up with. And every year I amaze myself by, wow, I'm, bringing 80 pounds of tomatoes every Wednesday to a restaurant, so. That's incredible. Yeah, it, 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 uh, it will never not be hard. And I think that's a fun thing about farming. It's, it's complicated, but that's what makes the, the fun for it. Cause then you get the, the sweet taste of the fruit or veggies at the end. And you look back at all those broken fingers or sweaty days and, and, and roasting 107 degree uh, harvest days at four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> you know it. And they pay off. So um, it's a challenge, but I think it's something that everybody should definitely attempt once. Well, you've got some true grit, Justin, and I can I really appreciate that. But you also, you know, you're a man of many talents. It's, you're not just a tomato guy. Uh, you've got a really cool patch of cucumbers out there. Tell you are. I mean, staring at your, you have a, a tattoo on your arm uh, <laughs> a, with a pickle with a crown. So you, yeah, the self, -pro, uh, a, you know, proclaimed pickle king. Yeah, <laughs> definitely got some pickle royalty in, uh, at the table today. So what brought you to that? Why do you love pickles so much? Um, I love pickles personally, but I'm, I do not have a tattoo. So what's going on there? So uh, my family, I was lucky enough to fall into a fifth generation of uh, pickle makers. Uh, my family, my great great grandma, they brought it over from uh, Austria. So that was uh, something that was brought over and um, we've kept that going. My family used to do pickling parties every uh, summer. We'd get together with the 15, uh, the eight brothers and seven sisters on my mom's side. and about 48 cousins, 50 cousins, we'd all get together and get pickling parties going. So that was something that strived me when my grandparents passed away and those slowly faded away and family didn't get together and pickle anymore. I decided that I have to grow these cucumbers myself and I have to pickle them myself and keep the generation alive because I didn't want it to die out. So when I moved here eight years ago, that's what I initially started farming for was strictly pickling cucumbers. I trialed about eight to 12 different varieties, picked out which ones I thought did the best 
Next year, maybe grew three of those and then trialed it down to about two and then just doubled over the years until I got more into the tomatoes and which we still do a lot of cucumbers, but not as much as when we began. But uh, it's, it's a, the, the family generational pickling is the, the obsession. Got to keep it alive. Dude, I love that. I think we need more of that, a thousand percent more of yeah. that. We need families and people come together and just you know, pickling and jamming and preserving. Oh, all preserve, that. I, I think there's so much value in that. So, yes. dude, I'm hats, my straw hat <laughs> is off to you, sir. I think you're keeping something great alive. Thanks, man. Um, and to grow it yourself, that's really, that makes it extra fun. From the vine to the brine, is that what we like to say? Man? From the vine to the brine. Well, how do we get that vine to the brine? I mean, what are the, what do you think are the three main tips you could give to um, just an at-home gardener who's just growing cucumbers just for themselves to enjoy? So if you're just gonna grow for eating, obviously uh, make sure you're not gonna grow pickling cucumbers for fresh eating. They're not gonna be the best, just in my opinion. They usually are slightly better, not as, as fresh tasting as your market mores or your uh, slicers. Um, but definitely, uh, if you're going to grow for fresh eating, you have your lemon cucumbers and all those really oh, good yeah. fresh eating. But for the pickling aspect, um, yeah, definitely grow on a trellis. Try to keep them as watered as much as possible. And uh, picking them and pickling them that day is really a, a key success to a crunchy pickle. The longer they sit, the, the longer they really don't preserve as well. And uh, I think keeping... Uh, Anything crunchy, especially a pickle, is like a number one. You need, nobody, yeah, nobody likes snap. a soggy pickle, man. You need a crunchy pickle, so. I love it, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, with brining, are we, are we going hot brine? We going, we go hot brine, yeah. Um, can't go too deep into it. My grandma might come down from the heavens. Yeah. And, and <laughs> She's like, but that's yeah, our secret. Yeah, no, it is a hot brine, um, but yeah, uh, hot brine, hot packed, and uh, they are ready within a month. They take about a month to cure. Do they and, get better with time? Or oh what? yes, uh, I think so. We used to, I mean, we'd fight over them and we'd do it in the summertime and it'd come about Christmas time and there was always one or two jars left and people would be fighting over them at the family reunion. Oh yeah, who's got that them. last so jar. Now I'm the one to keep it alive. So we've been, uh, I still make them. Uh, last year, I just, our Instagram got hacked last year. So it kind of shot down the, Bummer. the, the pickles, but yeah. we're back at it. So. We're definitely gonna have a lot available and we'll sell those on our website as well. So. Oh, well that's great. So Justin, where can the good people find you if they wanna reach out to you, ask you some questions, or see what your, your tomatoes, your pickle game is looking like? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we are uh, fortunately just on Instagram, but it will be uh, at Neanderthal Farms or uh, Wenzel's Pickles is uh, W-E-N-Z-E-L-S Pickles. You could, both those, you could uh, either get the pickles from one website or the veggies and fruit from the other. Or just if you have gardening questions, I'm always willing to talk and give information on what we do. We don't hide any secrets here on soil building or what we do. We, we would love to uh, expand the knowledge to everybody so everybody could have successful harvests. And uh, that's the whole thing of farming is teaching each other and making sure everybody could succeed and have the great big uh, harvest that you want. That's so. it. Big harvest for all. Yeah. So to get to that big harvest, um, you brought up the importance of soil earlier when we were talking. How, how important is the soil and how can we build it up uh, for ourselves? For us, soil is 100% for, for us here. That's, that's our number one goal here is uh, soil. We start and that's without the soil, we have nothing to grow. Um, I mean, that's f for anything garden wise or e on small scale, large scale, it's, it's gotta be the number one because without any of the soil, you, you have dead plants. And it doesn't take much. I think it's an overthought process. A lot of people try to do too much and uh, rely on uh, a lot of uh, overwhelmed information when it's so simple. The simplicity of building soil is one step after another. And once you get that down, and, and, and it's going to be different at every area you live in, location, soil. That is true. Soil. 
Well, you've got a pretty thriving garden uh, just that I've seen here. Um, your soil, I've grabbed it and smelled it, inspected it. Uh, it was really rich. I mean, it looks, I mean, it's dark and earthy and loose, but it wasn't always like that. So no. what was it like? And then how did you get it to the point where it's at right now? So it was old horse pasture and cattle pasture for about 55 years. And uh, up until about eight years ago I moved here. Uh, we started originally when I first moved here before I was introduced to a broad fork. Uh, if people don't know, it's, it's a no great till. till. Yeah, um, we originally did a big till the first year just because uh, I was still stuck in the old school ways. Yeah. But the first break the ground, yeah, so didn't really think of what I was doing, but did that. And then after that, I linked up with some friends who taught me regenerative and permaculture ways of building soil. So broad fork it was after that and heavy compost, heavy manure, heavy straw, heavy cardboard. If you have anything, it'll always break down. Um, even cocoa, if you could find used cocoa, which is hard, but if you can find it, it's a great medium to add in. It has nothing to it. The coconut fibers. Yeah, coconut yeah. fiber. If you could find it used from people, some people do, you can get it bulk. It's hard to find. Or even the coffee uh, chafings or chaffings, however you call yeah, it. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Why not? Yeah, you can get those from Starbucks. Those are a great nitrogen mix. You can layer that in with your compost. But the biggest thing is, is layering. Uh, and I'm talking three, four inches of each thing. I'm, so layer of compost, layer of straw, layer of manure, layer of compost. So not, a, layer. not a thin little dust. No, you want at least about a foot, foot and a half of height, almost two feet, because when you put that set last layer of compost on top, once you grow into that, that next season, you won't even know that you added that eight inches, 12 it's inches. It's just dissolve in. And, and then that next year you repeat that process. And then to the point to where I don't have to do that much more now here. There's new beds I still have to on the new plots, but on the original ones, you just have to go with compost after that because you've already built that substrate. Everything below you is built now. You're just yeah. adding enough to feed the microorganisms of the worms, making sure they're happy. So just a little compost every year is enough love after once you do the, the hard work and dedication. Awesome. How important do you think is watering for you? How do you deliver water to your plants and how often? Okay, so uh, we used to, when I first moved here, we didn't uh, hand water, <laughs> and that was a big failure. That's a very up-close and yeah. personal way of taking <laughs> yeah. care of yeah. your, your garden. Yeah, not, not, uh, not very uh, good on that part. So we went to a drip system, and we have it on a timer, and we have uh, every six inches drip tape, uh, about a quarter gallon per hour. And you could find drip tape that does more half than that, half a whatever, gallon. There's yeah. all specifics and size, but I feel like drip tape is 100% the savior on plants because you can consistently know you're going to get water there at the right time, keeping your soil constantly wet, but not too wet. And because um, some plants don't like that. Some plants will either drop fruit or flowers when they're too wet or too dry. Inconsistency will, will ruin fruit or make them bitter in quality. Um, Do we need to water every single day? Um, or, or can we stagger them out in the week? So if you're in the ground and you have good mulch cover, I would say check your soil, go down. If it goes past an inch on your finger, I would say give it a good watering or at least turn on a drip system. If you're in a raised container, especially here in Sacramento, raised bed, pots, anything like that, definitely keep them moist and don't be afraid to mulch with that too. A straw is a great, if straw is not a good- You've got straw everywhere. Straw is a great one because it's, I'm, some people say it's messy, it's messy. Well, it's, if you're in a smaller area, I could, I could see maybe messy, but it's definitely the cheapest, easiest route for heavy mulch uh, on even pots and raised beds. It will help uh, retain that moisture and keep health to the soil and uh, make sure your plants aren't too dried out because a lot of hair roots on the top up there that yeah, people don't think about. Yeah, it's protecting those roots, like a, like a little, little armor in a way. Yeah, so um, I think the heavy mulching is a big one. And if you don't, maybe the, the woven plastic works well too. Um, it, it, could, it can mulch and keep moisture in very well too. Um, and in some cases, you're almost even doing both, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, so we battled Bermuda out here really bad as 
almost everybody yes. in Sacramento. Oh yeah, what's that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so Bermuda is uh, uh, a very evil one for us. So we try to keep it in areas that we battled it enough to where I could use straw again, but then that next year I might have to reintroduce that tarp just to kind of give it down again, and then I could switch back and forth. But yeah, we have plots that we battle it pretty bad and we'll have the woven plastic out there, which is a godsend thing. If you don't have, uh, if you have issues with Bermuda, and you're just saying, I can't do this anymore, get yourself some woven plastic, at least some thick gray landscape style, and um, it, will say, it will save you a lot of stress and time. Yeah, well, because I've seen your, your spread here, and you've got, there's plenty of weed pressure around it, but your garden looks fantastic, and it's, it's you've really, you're fighting the good fight. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, and then the quality shows for itself. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's, it's a battle every year. The weeds are the, the after building the soil, it's a, it's a fight to let's see how we could compress this down as much as possible. So a lot of bark, uh, especially around the edges of beds. Um, uh, really, really mainly a lot of the edges of the beds. Um, try to get to keep those perimeters. Yeah. So if it gets out farther out, it's okay. But we try to not till it at all, or uh, try to weed eat as least as possible because it is a rhizome, and it will you, one little piece turns into a whole new plant. So, Yikes! I know. Uh, we try to avoid that as much as possible. We'll just layer with cardboard and go as much as we can with the uh, wood chips every year, and just continue that process, which is technically building the soil on the outside of the beds anyways. So it's yeah. a win-win for both of us. We're suppressing weeds and building soil at the same time. Love it. Um, so you're having a lot of success, uh, but for a lot of our first time gardeners, maybe they're finding a little bit of success right now, but sometimes it, we can get discouraged when the, the temperatures, the dial turns up to, you know, to 11 or 111, and maybe we lose a plant or two. Um, what would you say to maybe that first time home gardener or grower who might be just now kind of, you know, meeting some, um, some resistance? Uh, obviously, uh, failure is the first key to success in farming. And I would say maybe go and take a look at um, your, your biggest farm page that you follow on Instagram or whatever you follow. Go back to their first couple of videos of if it's four or five years back and just look of where they've come from. I guarantee they started out real small and what they are now, you, you'll see the success. It will eventually come. It depends on how much you want to grow, but just you can't give up in the, uh, in the growing world. It's always a failure. It doesn't matter what crop you're growing. You're, you're going to fail to succeed. It will, it will always succeed eventually. Just continue. Just don't give up. I yeah, love that. Well, thank you so much for having us out. Right. It's always a treat. I, was, I learn so much from you every time we get to meet and hang out. And I just love seeing your place. Well, um, I appreciate every it. year it just seems to get better and better. I can't wait to see what next season will bring. <laughs> Who knows, man? With Brad and us, it could be a lot. So. Yeah, great partnership. Yeah. Thanks again for having, uh, coming out, guys. It was always nice having you on the property. And uh, maybe come back here in a, a month or two and we'll be chomping on some new tomatoes. Hey, I'll be here. All right, Kevin, we are back. Big thank you to Justin. What a treat it was to be out there with you. Now, Kevin, for our listeners, I'm hoping you can lay out the significance of what Justin is up to with all these tomatoes. Now, he's growing tomatoes for Wild Boar Farms, right, for Brad Gates. And these are tomatoes that, like, nobody's ever even, they haven't existed before, right? Like, what's going on? Yeah, so he, it's like a tomato trial garden out there where it's a, basically it's a laboratory in your neighborhood for tomatoes. Uh, for hopefully for beautiful hybrids for tomatoes of tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. uh, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. And so they're basically these new age hybrids that have amazing qualities. We've had, and we've had Brad on the show before to talk about all the different qualities and different colors and textures and sizes and flavors that come out of these tomatoes, but they're truly unique. 
And guess what? He's making more all the time. He's breeding them right now. I actually mm-hmm. have I have some of his unnamed varieties in my own garden is, uh, right now, and it's kind of fun. It's That's cool. You're seeing them grow, uh, and it's incredible to see some of these tomato varieties that aren't even on the market yet. So we, he mentioned that some of his tomatoes he sells to a you know to a restaurant. They you know they get to slice it up and sell it and right. provide it for people. But a lot of those tomatoes he talked about saving seeds. Yeah, it was like 80%. Yeah, 80%. That's, that's a, a lot. large pro- yeah, yeah, so a lot of it is for seed saving. They'll get these tomatoes, the ones that look their best, you know, they'll, they'll document those, they'll save them, and then uh, hopefully they get utilized next season in some some capacity for breeding or whatever. Uh, and so it's great. That's it's so a partnership cool. um, with him and Brad. So they become, you know, you know, friends, obviously. And so it's a cool partnership. And that's yeah. what kind of makes this garden is really interesting for a lot of ways, but probably one of the primary reasons is that they're really growing some super unique varieties out there that are, I mean, I'm saying they're, they're so delicious. They're prolific. Uh, like we talked about in the uh, episode, we had this plant there, the, the berries cr- crazy cross or whatever, mm-hmm. crazy chair. There are you know hundreds of blossoms on one branch. And so it's like a cluster of grapes, but instead they're just tomatoes. So it's really cool. Some of them are big, some are small, some are purple, some are yellow. It's like all these crazy colors. Uh, it's awesome. I love it. And we're going to see, like I said, the tomatoes of tomorrow are, might just come out of the, you know, a garden next, next door to you if you live next door to Justin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so cool that he, you know, he just, I, I don't know, like he just started becoming a part of this big, you know, to the tomatoes of the future. That's really, really interesting. You never know where your passions can take you. It's, and now you're doing it too. Yeah. And I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sliver of it. You know, um, Justin's really in there and he's been, he's been a friend of him for, you know, a couple seasons now and it's... It's cool. We need more of that. We need we need more, you know, gardeners, growers, cultivators teaming up. There's you can't do everything on your own. And so it's it's nice to have friends. It's nice to have colleagues and people that'll support you in what you're doing. And so uh I'm just glad to see what he's doing. It's so cool. I, we need more weird, interesting, flavorful, yes. delicious uh food out there, you know, tomatoes otherwise. And so uh it's awesome. You know, seed saving is, is just incredible. Yep. Okay. So I'm gonna be putting a lot of links in the episode description for this one. We've got some stuff to share, some video for you guys to see, and just yeah, some more links for you to to get out there and find some community and to share what you're up to. So uh with that, that's all we have time for this week. Kevin, go ahead and please take us out. Well thank you so much, Austin, and thanks again, Justin. It was a blast to be out in your garden. I had a great time, learned a ton, can't wait to to come back from more garden adventures with you. Um, if folks want to see for themselves, we have a video on our YouTube with Justin. And if you want to see more of them, you can check them out on an episode of From the Source on the Magnolia Network. Definitely worth a look. Until next week, garden friends, I got to get back in the garden, do a little bit of watering, do a little bit of harvesting, and then get back inside to cool down because it is hot out there. Stay cool, stay hydrated, friends. Get out, in that, get out in that garden when you can. Until next week, garden friends, happy gardening to each and every one of you. And please never stop growing. <laughs>